Ready to rise through the ranks of the online marketing hierarchy? Take some notes from the original Royals of Revenue, the Internet Traffic Kings. We're about to open up a treasure chest of knowledge from the best of the best. With your hosts, Kevin the Cook Father, DiVincenzi, the original Big Fabu, John Fondy, and the ultimate compliance conciliary, Attorney Bennett Kelly. In three, two, one. And welcome to yet again another episode of Internet Traffic Kings. I'm the Big Fabu, John Fondy, broadcasting from the campus of UNLV right here in fabulous Las Vegas. And um, I'll tell you, the shows just seem to get better. And part of that is because we've got a good executive producer. He's better known as the Click Father, Kevin DiVincenzi. Kevin, welcome to the show, man. Hey, I'm doing well, John. How you doing? Doing well, doing well. So we're going to probably have you speak up a little bit uh, as we oh, go through this. Sorry, we didn't do a mic check today. We were so excited with our guests that we just totally <laughs> That's true. threw everything to the wind. And uh, and the great thing about the great thing about that, Kevin, is is every week, you know. Uh, the you know the internet traffic kings is is ever expansive. Whereas there's people from all walks of life that actually come on the show and and uh, they're they're really good about giving up the information and helping people and uh, and uh, I know you are too. And so that kind of leads me in to say this is not a uh, it, it's not an ad uh, supported show. So we kind of do this kind of as our gift to the in industry and same with the other people and and so uh, you know we're we're seeing you know, on national television, as well as we've seen on Spotify and uh, the Internet Traffic Kings website and our Facebook page is doing really well. Um, these podcasts are, are just really building up as well. And and that YouTube thing is working pretty good now, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. We're getting quite a few views on YouTube and uh, it's, so far, great response. So we'll keep doing them. Well, I mean, I think the I think the views are up in the thousands for every single episode. Yeah, ten, tens of thousands most episodes, correct? You know, and we did, we, yeah, we did have a challenge for uh, about two weeks for YouTube because we mentioned, which we won't mention that that famous word right now. Uh, we mentioned the happenings of the times, and they were not showing everybody our video. So we. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty amazing how the yeah. way that the directions go in and stuff, mm -hmm. and yeah. and uh, but uh, but I tell you, the five star ratings. We're getting a ton of five star ratings, and that Absolutely. really helps as well too. So, yeah, yeah. No. and uh, I keep think giving us five it, stars. We what's love that? It. I said, keep giving us five stars to our that's, listeners. We love it. That's what it's all about. So yeah, sure. we finally got a little bit of a break here in the weather this uh, this week coming up. It got down below. Uh, uh, the uh, unbearable features here in Las Vegas as well. How, how are you guys doing down there in Malibu? Uh, not bad. I mean, we're still getting some of the smoke from the fires, obviously. Um, Malibu's not as bad as other places, but uh, we're still seeing it. It's still pretty gray and gloomy. Yeah, I had a friend of mine that went to Palm Springs. Why he would mm -hmm. go to Palm Springs in the middle of the summer, I have no idea. <laughs> but he said the smoke was so bad in Palm Springs that they almost turned around and drove back to L.A. And we right. were getting a lot of the smoke here in uh, in Las Vegas, believe it or not. it was. Well, you normally do. You normally do. A couple days later, it all blows in. Blows in. Quite and, a uh, bit of it. It yeah. was basically over, so overcast that uh, we didn't have sun for two days up here as well. And so... Oh. Yep. Uh, I tell you, we're going through a lot of interesting times right now. And Kevin, you and I talk about taking this time to reinvent yourself and yep. uh, taking the time to to tell people what you do, tell people where you're going to do, and uh, tell it often and tell it loud. And uh, and that's a lot of what we what we encourage our guests and, to do. And, and and according to our guests, tell it quickly and efficiently.
me. <laughs> That's true. We try to keep it as secret as we possibly can, but we're both <laughs> excited about uh, about Absolutely. having the, the the guest on. Like I said, we're going to keep in the waiting room right now, the newly redecorated waiting room. You know, fully stocked bar, if you will, and uh, hors d'oeuvres <laughs> in there. So we try to keep them try to keep them happy and stuff like that. So, um, but uh, have you noticed now? Uh, that things, I don't know if they're getting normalized now, but has that changed the industry at all? Do you find people are more aggressive now in terms of, of reaching out and having you help build their traffic? No, I, I think the the big change from my end is just a lot more Zoom calls, a lot more uh, interaction of video. That's pretty much the biggest change we've seen. Yeah. Um, how about pricing? Are we seeing any change in pricing? Are people a little more eager to make a deal? Uh, from the traffic sources, yes, absolutely. <clears throat> Even though traffic's, traffic's incrementally going up, but also you need a buyer for that traffic. So a lot of the traffic networks are offering big incentives to uh, to get you to buy the traffic. And, uh, you know, we encourage people, of course, you know, if you can do this on your own, we encourage you to do it. But, uh, you know, just like a type of Robert Walker, you want to have a net there. that's somebody that you can turn to. And because... Uh, it may be easy to do, but it's not easy to do it right. And that's a lot of what we do with the guests that come on the show is uh, is they kind of teach you how to do it right. And sometimes it's just best to, you know, leave it to the adults in the room to if you're going to grow your business, because you can live and die by making the wrong, the wrong ad buy, can't you? Yeah, well, what I tell my clients is you do what you do best and I'll do what I do best. And if you stay on your side of the, the playing field, then it works out to be a very great partnership. Yeah. So don't try and buy traffic and we won't try and run your business and we're in good shape. Well, that's basically pretty much it. And uh, and again, we're so excited. We're going to talk about that with our next guest here as well. And uh, I'm sure that he's kind of foaming at the mouth as well to tell his story. And he actually tells it well. So we're going to go ahead and get to that that uh, that first guest here in just a moment. So let's just take a short pause. We'll come right back and we'll dive right into it. Again, you're uh, uh, watching the Internet Traffic Kings. I'm the big fabu, John Fondy, and we'll be right back right after this. Not making as much money as you want on the net? The Internet Traffic Kings are by far your best bet. 24 years at the top of the game. Spotify and iTunes, look for them by name. New episodes every Thursday. The Internet Traffic Kings. And welcome back. Uh, we appreciate you being with us, our most prized possession, our audience out there. Of course, we've got the click father, Kevin DiVincenzi, and I'm the big fabu, John Fondi, broadcasting from the studios right here in UNLV. We talked a little bit about uh, our next guest, and we've had a chance to get to know him through some of his great work and the things that he talks about. And, and, uh, and it really does make a lot of sense. So it gives me really good internet traffic king opportunity to introduce uh, Brent Pidvedic. Good. Nice to have you, Brent. Oh, I'm very excited to be here. It's a real yeah. honor. And so what part of our, the world do you live in? I'm over in Los Angeles, you know, just cruising along, doing the Hollywood oh. thing. Yeah, that's oh. uh, that's oh. kind of, I was in Hollywood for about 20 years. And, uh, Ouch. It's just, yeah, that's exactly why I moved because it was, it was pretty <laughs> tough. And it's not that I didn't yeah. like the work. I, I just, I just didn't like the, the traffic and all the stuff that was going yeah. on. So yeah, I I'm in the same place. You know, I'm in that same thing. I don't like the work, so that's my other problem too. So <laughs> it's all a big mess right now. So. I was actually in Hollywood uh, with my kids on Saturday. It's uh, it's a great place to people watch, even as you're driving around. Right? Yeah, it's a <laughs> great place to visit. <laughs> great place to visit for a brief moment. Right. You know, great place to be a tourist for a bit. All those things. 
Well, yeah, and, the, and it's changed so much now. It doesn't it doesn't have that uh, that uh, amor that uh, that it had before. You know, with the Chinese theater and the Hollywood Boulevard and all that. Just yeah, you know, they're 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 suffering through through their their times as well too. And um, I'll tell you, one of the best things I could have done was move to Las Vegas. And uh, and there's a lot a lot of work up here. I I, I produce a lot of programming here. Yeah, if I could move there, if I get my wife to agree, I'd be there in a second. So just, just don't tell her. Just have her wake up. I know. <laughs> like, honey, we moved. Yeah, we. Well, it's funny. I, I I don't know if you guys know. I mean, you're in Vegas, maybe you know that, but you know, Celine Dion has an absolute mimicked house at her um, her actual home, and in Caesars, they have a matching mm-hmm. mansion. Yeah. And when I mean matching, I mean every day they move everything in the exact position, and the reason was. She didn't want her kid to wake up in either place and think that he had moved or gone anywhere. So that's the reason why they built this matching thing because oh, they would wow. transport him when he was sleeping. And so he'd wake up and he'd be in the same house and he would have no idea. And that was part of her conditions. And I've been in, I have been in both. And when I wow. say they're matching, like you cannot believe that anybody would go to that extreme to make wow. the two places that I, they are identical. So it's it was it's an so like attention. A cop was just moved. Okay, move the cup. <laughs> uh, yes, like, they wow. have like, uh, they have their assistant go through and imagine. Yeah, wow. Toys like first dates. Yeah, it's crazy. There you go. So as well. So um, um, I I see you got some some propaganda hanging on the walls there. A couple of things thrown around a little bit, and of yeah. course we're talking about. Uh, you know, about the, the three-minute rule. So take about three minutes and tell us what that's all about. Yeah, exactly. Start the timer. Uh, listen, the three-minute rule is a, is a theory about pitching and presenting that I developed. Wrote it into a, you know, <clears throat> big best-selling book, which has been really cool. A lot of business schools use it now as sort of a textbook. But it basically states that everything about your business, product, or service must be conveyed clearly, concisely, and accurately in three minutes or less. And the book itself is a guide to step-by-step to take everything of value that you have that you want to say and turn it into only what needs to be said. And in today's world with the attention spans shrinking and people's, their sensitivity towards you know, big promises and under-delivering, being able to simplify your message is absolutely crucial in the sales process, in the communication process, in whatever it is. And in the book, I take you through what I've learned as a television producer, pitching hundreds and thousands of television shows to the most sophisticated audiences, taking those lessons and taking the tried and true Hollywood storytelling techniques and applying it to every business. And you can go through the book and step-by-step and break it down and and basically pitch your idea like a Hollywood storyteller would do. And it, it's been it's been really good. And I've had a real you know fun ride out there teaching and consulting and working with companies across the board. And I didn't know the world was so big. And there was so much business to be done. When you're in Hollywood, you really think you are the center of the world and is the only thing that's going on. And now I realize like, oh, yeah, that's a tiny piece of the world. So it's been really fun. Uh, one of the many things that stuck with me uh, in your book was speaking of attention span, where you said that um, that uh, a normal person has about an eight and a half second attention span, where a goldfish yeah. has nine seconds. Right? Yeah, it's <laughs> oh, it's it's a wild thing, right? Yeah. And that was a study uh, Microsoft did about this shrinking attention span. And right. you know, it's funny what what people will assume is it's because you know smartphones and social media, and we are, we're mm-hmm. dumbed down and we're these mindless zombies, right? And the truth is, right. it's actually the complete and total opposite of that. We now focus more intensely 
and more efficiently than we ever have in human history. The, the fact is, if I give you my precious attention for any amount of time, I want value and I want it right now. And if you don't give me value, then I'm off to something else. 8.2 seconds, I'm off looking for something else. A goldfish, right. then they'll stay with you for nine seconds because they don't care. But right. a human now wants value and they want value right away. And what happens is, is that when you are so passionate and so under, you're so understanding of the information and your business or your product or your service or whatever it is, you have so much you want to say because you feel it's so valuable. And what happens is that you've got to build what's called a foundation of understanding for your audience where you can give them the information in bite-sized pieces and lead them to the big conclusions and to the value that you want. And it's, it's really important now today more than ever before. Well, that sure is. They they say, yeah, just get to the point. But I guess you're really saying get to the right point. And, yeah, um, and and you got to lead. You got to lead your audience so that they would come up with a point themselves. Like that's kind of important. Is that you can't you can't sell people stuff. You can't tell them stuff. You can't you you, you know you got to let them build the conclusion. You got to at the when you're ready to give your crescendo. You know you, the hook of your story, the big part of your pitch, like the audience has to kind of be thinking it already. They have to kind of get there, right? And I use the example on stage all the time. If you look at one of my favorite movies, Shawshank Redemption, you know, mm -hmm. we don't start that movie by saying, hey, Andy Dufresne escapes from the worst prison ever. Let me tell you why. Spoiler alert, by the way. But so the idea is, is like, we build you to that moment. We don't tell you what's going to happen then try to explain it. We build you to the moment. And when it's time for him to escape, you want him to escape. You are desperate for him to escape. You are cheering for him to escape, right? And that's because we've we've built a story of who the characters were and what he was going through and why you would think that. And so pitching an idea is very similar to that. I gotta I gotta lay the foundation first. I gotta build the information, the facts and the figures and lay that out there. So when it comes time for the big conclusion, this is a great investment for your money because of blank blank, it's like you gotta be thinking that in your mind as the audience. And if right. you don't do that, people are going to be skeptical inherently. Well, it's so true. In fact, uh, you know, I just went out and, and bought a, a dozen uh, sticky notes and a dozen Sharpies. And uh, <laughs> nice. we're going we're gonna implementing those today as we've got a, a big tour of the studio. Big, big producer in, in uh, Las Vegas is coming by. And uh, and a lot of times we just let the studio do the talking for us and and just get them in front of the, the contract. And uh, well, and. That's because you know what they want? They want the information. They want just the simple thing. Where are you? What do you do? What does it cost? How long? Like, they don't want to be sold. No one wants to be sold. I was going to say, we've, we've all been stuck in those meetings, right? Where you're just yes. looking and, and going, oh, man, so much time is going by. Get to the point. Like, just, wh where's your value? Exactly. Problem? Would you yeah. just tell me what this yeah. is? And that's why in the book, as you guys know, like, I've broken these things down into what's yeah. called the WAC method, which yeah. is the four steps of any presentation uh, stands for WHAC, which is what is it? How does it work? Are you sure? And can you do that? And when you break out an idea that way, that's the way people rationalize ideas to themselves. When they buy things, if you, and I do this great exercise I do in one of my seminars where I, I ask people to close their eyes and tell yourself why you bought, why you drive the car you drive. So one of the largest purchases of your life. Why did you choose that car? And then they come and answer in their head and say, okay, well, explain that one more. Ask yourself one more. Why is that important? Why did you do that? Why would you want that? Why do you want to look like that? Like when you ask those questions, you can hear your, what's called the rationalization story where you rationalize that purchase. And when you listen to that and, and then I get people to say it out loud, it's like, there's no adjectives in there. There's no huge grand statements. It's just the simplest, 
basic language. I did it because of this. Uh, I want to look rich. I like this. Whatever it is, right? Why you right. buy that car? But it's simple and it's basic. And when you break it down, it's like, okay, here's what here's what the car is. Here's how it works. Here's the verification of of why I think those things are important. And here's how I got it. And it's like it's this it's the basic elements of a pitch or presentation. And it's how right. we rationalize those decisions. And when you mimic your pitch to to match the way people rationalize, surprise, surprise, things go a lot better for you. Well, it does it does help to break it down like that, but it's a it's it's like working out. You got to train your muscles to do that because yeah. we all we, we all want to kind of go off track. And there's a big difference between you know giving somebody some information and just throwing up on them for 30 minutes yeah. and and expecting right. some difference to take place in there. And I I loved you talking about it. Just hey, when 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 it's over, it's you know uh, you know don't go to a big a big close a big fin finale. You teach yeah. us to get to that place before we have to, and then we just. We just shut up and let them ask questions. Yeah. And I, and I, I, a lot of my clients, I walk through that, you know, it's, and I make the joke, it's taken me 20 years to learn how to say things in three minutes. Cause it definitely takes some, like you've got to, oh, listen, the book is a good guide. We'll help you actually get there. But sure. to do it naturally is like, you gotta, you gotta be, you gotta trust in your information. You gotta feel that you are actually bringing value and that you're not trying to sell somebody. Right. Right. And that's why I say like, yeah, it's not about it's not just about condensing it to three minutes, right? There's a ton of science behind that three-minute point. And that is basically the most that a, a human being will extend their decision-making process before making that yes or no. You might be able to get them to listen to three minutes. Usually, it's less than that. But right. once you get through those first three minutes, it it's if, if I even got you to be interested, then just hang up the phone. Like, let's just end the meeting. Like, if you don't right. want to hear further, like, I want out. You don't have to even say goodbye. Just hang up. Like... <laughs> you know, because at the end of the day, if, you, if I can't get you to, to be like, okay, I'd like to talk more, then it's over. Mm -hmm. It's done. There's nothing else. And so, yes, a, a meeting that you go to is not going to last only three minutes. It's your first three minutes that are the most important. And whether that's giving a big presentation, giving a Zoom presentation, I mean, you guys know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm one of the top, you know, virtual presentation coaches right now, mostly because everybody's doing such a terrible job. It's not hard to be good at it, right? So... <laughs> It, it really is about like, yeah, these meetings are not going to last only three minutes, but you need to get people to be like, okay, I want to play further. I have not made up my mind. How many people listening right now have someone come pitch or present them something and you know, yes or no in your mind in those first, in the first minute, in the first uh, 30 seconds. Yeah. How about the sure. first 10 seconds? Anybody come to pitch you something and in the first 10 seconds, you're like, yeah, I don't really, I don't think I want this. No, now that absolutely. poor bastard has got to turn you around and you don't even want to be there and that right. for me is the most important element i've got to help people get past that moment to, to delay those people's initial yes or no for as long as you can so that you can feed in as much valuable information as you possibly can now i find that even on demos you know a software demo they could easily give you the the information in a in a few minutes where they just yeah. have to just show you the whole platform Instead of saying, here are the key points, here is exactly where, where you need to focus, here's the oh. value proposition to it, and move on, oh, and I'd be hooked. Instead, I find myself I 20 minutes in going, well, where's the value here? Is, you know, what am I doing on this call still? It, it's they're it's funny, those SaaS yeah. guys are just, yeah. oh, they're just yeah. awful. They, they just think that they it's have funny, to like, show you everything, oh. right? I have to show you yeah. every bell and every whistle detail. right now, you know? Yeah. It's, well, and it's, it's hard because, I, you know, I don't take on a lot of new clients now. But every once in a while, I'll get one of those SaaS guys 
And I'm like, oh my God, you are such a mess. Like I have to help you. Otherwise I'm not gonna be able to sleep at night knowing that this is how you're out there trying to pitch your idea. And that comes from a lot of the, of the confidence, right? And I, I have this, this thing that I teach about confidence and how to have confidence. And, and it's not something you can just invent or change your posture or change your shirt or lose weight. None of those things help. What helps is the, your personal belief on the value you actually bring. And I use this example a lot. Like if I was going to try to, if, if I was going to cater your wedding, I was pitching you to let me cater your wedding. And I was going to come and, and present the chef that I had to be the chef in person at your wedding. If I had Gordon Ramsay that was going to do it, like how many words would I need to explain that to you and to pitch you? I'd walk in there and I'd use four True. words. Gordon I Ramsay. have Gordon Ramsay, right? <laughs> and and right. that would be it. I wouldn't be selling you him. I wouldn't be going through his credits. I wouldn't be trying to make convince you and your wife or you and your husband that this is something that you have to have. I would literally four words. However, same situation, but it's my convict brother-in-law who just got out of jail, really needs a job, doesn't really cook very well, but is really desperate. That's still like, four how words. many words would I need? That's still four words. Yeah. He's like yeah, Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, then I'm like, I'm selling you. I'm making, I'm trying to explain it. I'm, right. I'm, I, you need millions of words, right? And that's the sure. thing. And then because I wouldn't have the confidence in the value. So I would add more words. And if you, and I have this great sort of scale that I show that like your, your version of how valuable you think your proposition is, is somewhere on the scale, scale between Gordon Ramsay and my ex-convict brother-in-law. And the more words you use, you are telling your audience where you fit on the scale of value. The more words you use, the less value you are conveying and your audience knows it. We today are so sensitive to the clickbaits and the click funnel and the big promises and all of this stuff and the marketing and all of these things. We just don't believe it. We don't listen to it. We're hypersensitive. So we pick up on these things naturally now. So there are there some 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 simple key things that you can talk about things that you must do, particularly when you're laying out a pitch or when I'm writing a new television show or something like that. Um, uh, some I, I guess some ways to keep us on you know on the road and out of the gutter. First step: read the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and listen if I. As a framework, to begin with, there's two main things that I usually start with. One is the idea of knowing your audience. That is been taught to us that you got to understand people that think about your audience. What do they do? What do they like? Where do they go? What's their business? All that kind of stuff, right? And the problem is, is no matter what happens, you don't know their business as much as they do. And they know how they're going to use their product more than you do. So when I say know your audience... I mean, more like respect your audience. Respect the fact that they are going to piece all this stuff together. They know what they're doing. So do not talk to your audience about things they should already know. Assume that your audience understands things is going to be able to get it. Give them that respect. You don't do that. You are walking the line that you will insult them. You will turn them off. That is what the classic sort of used car salesman mentality has been for many years is to tell you why you're going to like it, tell you what you need. And people are repulsed by that. So stay away from the idea of trying to fill in the gaps for your audience. Get out of that mode, okay? And number two is to start with the foundation. The, I call it a pyramid of information. Start with the basics. How would you pitch what you want in five words or less? I call them the what meets what. So let me give you a perfect example. If I was going to pitch you a television show and I was to say, the show is The Amazing Race meets 
the, the smartest people in the world. Okay. It's five words or whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm not telling you the show, but you can sort of deduce the amazing race, people running around things, but the smartest people in the world. So it's like, oh, they must be doing really difficult challenges if they're really smart. And the amazing race is a bunch of hapless idiots, you know, putting Ikea furniture together, getting lost. Well, what if it was a bunch of <laughs> MIT grads, right? Like, and Boeing engineers, ooh, they might be doing some really cool stuff. So in just those three words, you'd be like, oh, I, I kind of get it, right? Sure. That's the first place to start. And, and then if you get that right, then add five more words until you get to that, that medium. And that's the way to build. The pitch is not like take everything you want to say and then try to distill it down. It's not, a, you won't do it. You won't be able to do that. Yeah, I noticed so your, your exercise was to just take. Yeah. yeah, you got to go the other direction. Yeah. Um, so. Regurgitate all that information and get your key points and then organize yeah. them. So it's it's brilliant. Yeah, and that's what people do is they try to go from all the stuff they want to say and, and call it down. It's like, no, start with just what needs to be said and then build from there. And if you add stuff to it, it better be good. It better be forwarding the story. In, in Hollywood screenwriter, we talk about that. Does this forward the story? Like, you know, writers will write great scenes. And it's like, yeah, but this doesn't move the story forward. So it's out, right? right. And, and that's, that's the difference. The difference between a great screenplay and a bad screenplay is nothing to the people that write them. The guy who wrote a bad screenplay thinks it's great because mm -hmm. he knows every detail. He knows the characters, he knows the twists, he knows the motivation, he knows why they do, he knows what's coming up. Like it's brilliant to him, but the audience can't see that. And he doesn't explain that. Whereas a great screenplay, Aaron Sorkin makes you understand the characters and the screenplay the way he understands it. He lets you see it the way he sees it. Right. And your pitch needs to do that. You need to get people to understand what you do the same way that you understand it. Then they will come up with the same value you do. I mean, you must think it's good. You're the one pitching it. You've dedicated your life to it or you work at the company or you believe in it. So how did you get there, right? It was by building an understanding for it. And, and if you can help other people understand it, they will see the value. Well, it's so Thanks. true. Uh, we're, we're going through uh, that example right now. We're, we're working on a couple of projects that we basically are, are cold calling people. And so we're, so they don't even anticipate that we're calling. So we're going through this exercise um, and we're really frustrated with the fact that we, we couldn't say what we needed to say in a short period of time. That was, right. that was before the weekend. And we're, and you're right. We've got the, that eight seconds to get people to, uh, to they, either they're trying to sell us programming for the for our Las Vegas television network, or we're trying to get them to put their their tips and their tricks on a on a project that we're doing. Right. And uh, so that's why I have my entire staff is going to listen to this this broadcast here because we're going <laughs> through it right now. Going through yeah. it right now. Everybody's going through it. It's amazing. And uh, and obviously between Kevin and myself, you know we're. You know, we're we're great orators and stuff, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're telling the right story when we do. And I, I think that's what I think. Right. Yeah, Storytelling is pretty important now. Yeah. yeah, it sure is. So why I'm not on Facebook? Do you want to elaborate on that? <laughs> so that was a brand I did. It was one of my first movies that I directed was called Why I'm yeah. Not on Facebook. It yes. was my, 
my pathological hatred of Facebook. And then my 13 year old <laughs> son wanted an account. And I was like, no. And he's like, why? And I was like, ah, I don't have a great answer. So I actually set out to make that movie to blast Facebook and turned out sort of like it, it was a little more introspective than that. And it was a look at that. So that became a bit of a brand where I would look at different ideas and things. I did why I'm not on Pokemon Go. So that was a good, mm -hmm. good run in my entertainment phase to explore nice. different ideas and be like, hey, just because I don't understand it or agree with it doesn't mean that it's not good. You know, right. it'd be nice if the world got a little bit more of that perspective right now. <laughs> For sure. Did you, did you watch the Social Dilemma? I just watched it last night because everybody was texting me. Oh, you have to I watch haven't it. You seen have to watch it yet. It. I'm uh, going to watch it though. I haven't seen all it. All right. Yet. Then I won't give you my feedback on it yet. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Well, that, that's true. And, uh, you know, one of the toughest things to do in Hollywood is to go and, and pitch an idea to a studio executive. Uh, one, they have stacks of scripts and treatments and stuff laying around. And it's it's they get from zero to garbage cans so much quicker now. <laughs> <laughs> but you really uh, you really seem to uh, to honed in on that. Uh, you know, what, what would you say? The, the success would be for, for getting from zero to uh, acceptance? Well, listen, there, in, in television in general, film and television, there is a bit of a pass-fail element. Like the, the script is either good or it's not. The idea is going to work on CBS or it's not, right? So, the, I, so what you really want to do is get to that point as fast as you can. And I, I remember when this happened, I was a, still a pretty junior producer and I was in the lobby at CBS waiting for my pitch meeting. And, you know, out of the pitch room walks Simon Cowell. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I had to follow Simon Cowell pitching a show, right? So I was like, oh, the dread. He comes over and says, hi, we're jibber jabbering a little bit. And he look, I can see him looking over my shoulders, kind of smiling. And I turn around and it's Mark Burnett walks in. And now he's going to be waiting to go in after me. So I am wedged <laughs> between Mark Burnett and Simon Cowell. And even, and by the way, Today, I'm still as like as junior compared to those guys I was back then. So it's like, it's not a comfortable feeling. And now I'm sort of in a panic, right? As they're getting ready, to in, they're going to be bringing me back at any moment, right? And I'm kind of getting a little anxiety and a panic of like, what am I going to do here? Like, I can't walk into this room after Simon's been in there. And then the next minute, Burnett's going to come in there. How am I going to impress the president of the network? What am I going to say small talk that's going to engage them? Like, how am I going to do this? This is ridiculous. And so as I was getting myself all worked up, I just got this idea in my head that I have to get out of this room as fast as possible. And so I sat in the meeting and I was just like, great, here's the idea for the show. Here's how we're going to produce it. You know, here's why I think it works for CBS. And, you know, here's how we, here's the things we've done to make sure we can actually make it this way. And I was in and out of that room in like nine and a half minutes. Wow. And they bought the show and my agent was like, that's the best pitch you've ever done. And I was like, what? <laughs> And he's like, that was amazing. And I remember like, I, I started using that little system a little bit more. Where I was just like, I gotta get in and out of here as fast as I can. And I very quickly got this reputation of having the best pitches in town. And I was like, that's kind of weird. Like I'm not doing very much. Now I went on to the buying side and I ran one of the networks for years. So I then up hearing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pitches a week kind of thing. And I was like, oh, so that's why people thought I was good because it, most people are just, they try to put on a show and they're like, yeah, let's do lunch kind of vibe. And they're just, it's all over the place. <laughs> and I was like, oh, right. So the fact that I wasn't trying to tell the executives at Fox how the product placement opportunities for the show was endearing because 
that's their job. They know this job better than you do, you know? And like right. telling them how big the show's going to be or the ratings or what the audience wants is just so asinine because like that's what they do. And so when I just went in and said, great, here's the idea. Here's how it works, right? Mm -hmm. Here's how we produce it for your network and why we think it works for your network. And here's where the budget's going to be or here's where we found the location or here's the piece of talent they've signed up. Like whatever that, that was it, four steps. And then it was like, Boom, I'm out of here. See you later. Yeah. Drop the mic on so a high. Since, <laughs> you know? And then so you have the, networks. Oh, go ahead. They, they, would, they would see me on the schedule and be like, oh, great. At least we're going to get a good pitch. Like, solid and not going to take up a day. And they'd be excited. And then I, so that means I got more meetings faster. Right. When I'd call and right. try to set a meeting, they'd be like, oh, yeah, let him in whenever he wants. So, I mean, that's the, the key. And same thing if you're writing, if you've got something that's more creative, like a script. It's like, yeah, you could pitch it all you want, but like no one gives a crap. They got to read it. So trying to go into a long in-depth pitch of your, of your movie idea is such a waste of time because I don't care. Like I get the idea in two right. seconds. You know what I mean? Boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy's got to get girl back by winning the lottery. Okay, great. Give me the script. Except it doesn't matter what you pitch. I only care what I read. Right. And so, so you, you said you were on the buy side. So being yeah. on the buy side, how many times you just want to be like, all right, get to the point, get to the point. I, I, I many times I stopped people in the middle of a pitch. I <laughs> like, I remember one time there was a, a producer that wanted us to redo a pilot that they had busted at a different network. And mm -hmm. so they tried to have m me and my boss watch the pilot in the room. And I had to stop it and be like, guys, guys, well, listen, we'll watch the rest of this. We get it. We'll talk about it. Like, I was like, how, how did you not, how did no one advise you that this was a bad idea, that there's no way you're going to get an hour of our time in this room? To, like, so I got a ton of those where I just had to be like, hey, could you just tell me what this is? Like, can we just get to the idea? Like, I get it. I understand the marketplace and the size. And by the way, people pitching for uh, investment and money and stuff, they do that all the time. They want to oh, I know. Right. tell me who they are and what they've done and the size of the marketplace right. and the problem. Like for some reason, you got the idea that you got to, establish the problem and then establish your, your solution. It's like, oh God, it's just, that's not the way the world is. Like, I don't even know what you do yet. Why am I listening to you? Like, just tell me what it is. Oh, it's a medical device that uh, vacuums anesthetic out of a patient, be, you know, immediately. Got it. Okay, now tell me how this all goes. Now I'll tell you if I'm worth, worth you know, interested. Right. It's like, I just need to know what it is. Like, can you just tell me what this is? That's my, that's what people's first thought is. Just tell me what this is. Great. And how does that work? Okay, good. Do you have any, like data to back that up. Great. How do we work together? Or, you know, do you have you know, like send me something like that's the way people's brains work. You kind of want to pitch in that same structure. Well, um, Hollywood Reporter uh, gave you some good accolades and, and basically named you as one of the top uh, reality show pitchers that are out there and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, and that's, that's, that's pretty tough to convince those guys that, uh, <laughs> that you're better than all their buddies that they've been hanging yeah. around with for a long time. Yeah. That's called good PR management. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one of the things that we're doing here is, is we're doing the same thing. People are sending us shows because obviously, you know, we've got to put shows up on the different networks that we work with and stuff. Uh, but on the same token, we're out trying to pitch our network to, yeah. to other cable companies and stuff like that. And, and it's very similar to a sizzle reel, you know right around three minutes, you know, it's yeah. like, that's all you're going to get. And, uh, and, and what's valuable about that, right? Like if you're pitching other cable networks, like you can talk about a whole bunch of other cool things, but what do they really want to know? 
What's your viewership? What's your audience? What's your, like, those are the things they want to know. And if they get through those things and you still sort of qualify or you're still interested, then they can talk about content and details and all the other things. But for the most part, it's like, okay, what are we talking about here? You're a network. You want to be me to carry you? Like, how much is that going to cost? What am I return on my investment? Like, that's, that's so important to just get to the core of what you're offering so you can get out of it. And I remember I worked with a big, huge Vegas entertainment company on their, um, on their timeshare business. And they're, you know, timeshare companies are just struggling because people yeah. don't buy like they used to. You can't get people to sign a contract because they get excited and they're emotional. It just doesn't work that way anymore. They're, they're very archaic in their ways. We tried to work with, uh, with a major company out there as well. Yeah. yeah. So really I've been is. training them on their scripts. And what I finally got them to kind of understand is you got to get to the point with these people. And if they don't fit into the natural like subsection of people who actually find value in a timeshare, because timeshares are very, very good for a very large group of people that fit a certain criteria. They're awesome. Especially these guys have high, like high quality stuff. So it's like, oh man, yeah. if you're the right demographic with this amount of kids and like, this is an awesome opportunity. I got an idea. Let's focus on those people. Let's tell them right. here are the, here's the value. Here's the way this works. Does that sound like something you're interested in or that you might find value in? If somebody's like, no, you're like, click, that's it. I don't need, you don't need to even, don't even tell me goodbye. Just let me go. I'll go find yeah. somebody else. I, I think a lot of, even their in-person hooking people in with the, the promo chips and all the other things, you're getting a lot of disinterested people that are just that's like, right. yeah, I'll do it. I got 50 bucks. All right. right. <laughs> so yeah. it, it's, And it's uh, like they, 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 they have to evolve that a little bit because the way yes. people buy is different, you know? Absolutely. And I was like, doesn't it not seem strange that, you take the physical sign, and this is not an exaggeration, they take the physical sign piece of paper when you sign up for it and they immediately take it to customer retention because they know 96%, 96.2% of those people are calling within the first four days to cancel. So they're already preparing for it. They're already ready. They know you're going to have buyer's remorse because they're, they're not actually getting you to buy. They're, they're selling you. And the number of people in the world today, the age of those people is getting older and the, men, the, you know, the mental acuity of those people is diminishing. you got to find those people that aren't all that bright and are getting really old so you can trick them. It's like, does that sound like a sustainable business? Like, oh, my God. Right. So yeah. they are. And by the way, but just moving the, the goalposts a little bit on how they pitch has totally changed things. Like they're, they're getting people that they would never have got before because people sure. will hear, they smell the timeshare idea. Oh, oh, I'm out. Even if it would have been great for them. You know, sure. like even it would have been amazing. So- yeah, they're even starting to change the name of the timeshare business to vacation clubs and things of that nature. So it's just a total waste because yeah. the people that actually you might value as customers know that trick. So it's like, yeah, is this timeshare? Yes. And it, the reasons why those, they've been around for 100 years because to, to the right people, they provide value. I want to find out if right. you're the right person that this can provide value for. If it isn't, we're done. And yep. it's like, oh, really? It's like, yeah. And by the way, you can research this. You can go on the internet. You can talk to your friends. You don't have to sign up right now. Because if yeah, right. the second you say, I need you to sign right now, it's over. It's done. Yeah, Even that, if, I, by the way, that, that, go back to my Gordon Ramsay example. If I came to you and said, like, I have Gordon Ramsay to cater your wedding, you'd be like, oh my God, but you got to sign this piece of paper right now, committing. You'd be like, right. uh, mm, the Gordon Ramsay, like the chef Gordon Ramsay. Like, and what do you mean? Is it a cardboard? Like you'd all of a sudden, all the questions, right? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, yeah but, but, but I think part of their process is because you're right. Most consumers now they'll go, they'll look at reviews or what have you. Timeshare has got a pretty bad name, right? Just yeah. as, as an overall. Yeah. I, so I, you I can't avoid a, that. Yeah. 
I took a meeting at one of those places. Again, I won't mention what in Vegas, one of the larger timeshare companies, and they've got more security than the White House. Right? Yeah. You've got to go through, you know, this blocked door and that door and then get a receptionist. They've got to call you in. And like, I wonder why, because they, yeah. they have a lot of unhappy consumers. Right. And that, that, that business won't yeah. be able to sustain. I agree. And, and they are making some changes and it is working, you know, much better. Uh, but it was just very, it's very difficult to get them to embrace the idea that you have to embrace the ideas of the negatives that are out there. Right. And they're like, what? We can't mention that. It's like, yeah, everybody's thinking that already. So you avoiding yeah, saying it, not going to help you. Yeah, we, uh, we sometimes, uh, you know, are in the mode of we, we, we try to break the deal as quick as we possibly can because in our business, you can get strung out and strung along for, for weeks and months and stuff like that. And, uh, and at the end of that time, you got nothing to show for it. So, so yeah, we try to, try to let's, let's get from point A to point B um, as quick as we possibly can. I hear find that. Out if it's a, a fit for me and a fit for you. Ex by the way, exactly. You know, and uh, and that's been working out pretty well, you know, for us. So we do it in a nice professional manner, but in the back of our mind is let's just, let's see if we can work together. And secondly, Kevin's the same way. If we don't like you, we're not going to work with you or yeah. we're going to charge you a whole lot of money. So, yeah. 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 I've been there. I've been there, but that wears off too. I've done a couple of things where it's like, oh, I don't really want to work with this company, but oh my God, they're offering me so much money. And then you're like, I'll let me give you the money back. Let me out of this, you know? <laughs> Yeah. So it's it's tough. It's definitely tough. Okay. Well, we've got uh, oh, probably just about three or four more minutes uh, that are left. So, uh, Kevin, uh, I'll toss it over to you for some of your valuable wisdom, and I'll try to throw, throw some of mine in there, and then we'll have uh, we'll have Brent uh, wrap it up for us. And so I don't know if your screen is frozen. Or if you're just yeah. My my. Uh, can you hear me now? Yeah, I got you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, the internet out here is uh, unfortunately in Malibu, there's one provider and that's it. So my 24 year old daughter came, came back uh, home from San Francisco and brought a bunch of her friends. So they're all working in my living room. So everybody's just sucking up my internet connection. It's great. <laughs> it's party. Even though I told them I had a podcast, doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. You kind of lost that, that theory as well. And uh, I think for me, you know, by the way, I, I'll tell you a secret to that. Yeah. Yeah. Go on Amazon or wherever buy a hundred foot cat cable and right, a little and dongle for your laptop and just and just run it through the kitchen, down the stairs, into your office, wherever that is. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good idea. During when you need it. And you, pout and you roll it back up and put it away. Right. And then it doesn't matter when people try to get on Wi-Fi, you get it first. Yeah, it's actually go. a really good idea. Right. I, got, yeah. I got lots. And it, it would be pretty simple for you to do it in your house, uh, Kevin, as well. So you're absolutely Yeah, he's right now. But yeah, I need about 200 feet to get to the guest house, but that's fine. You're right. Just big blue Cat 5 cable running throughout the house. You know what? They, they don't even, they're not even big anymore. They're small, flat ones that just like wind right. up like nothing. A 100 foot yeah. cable looks, is yeah. tiny and just rolls uh, out. And then a, I just roll it idea. back up. Boom, yeah, done. One of the things that we're seeing, not only here in Vegas, but also in New York, is is the entertainers that are, are here in the entertainment capital of the world. They're really, really getting quite fed up with uh, not being able to work, not being able to do their craft, if you will. And um, and so they're really pounding uh, New York uh, to, to kind of get back to work and stuff like that. And we suffer through the same thing right here as well. And so we just it's tough to stay encouraged on a daily basis. Yeah. When you've got so yeah. many things going against you. But uh, I, I think that's the thing to do is find something that will keep you engaged 
while we're going through this and to keep your spirits up, if nothing else. Yeah, absolutely. And, and well, I, I think as far as the entertainers, John, sorry, um, I think it's it's more not knowing what's what the future is going to hold. I mean, look at Larev just shut down, right? So now what, what do these performers do? Do they train for a different career? Do they train for another show? And when will that happen? There's just so much unknown. Yeah. You have to feel really badly for those um, for those performers because that was yeah. that was their career and their livelihood. Well, it's like that across the board, right? Like everybody's- no, of course. There's so many people damaged by this and so few people right. seem to care. That's my, sh I'm sort of shocked at that. Yeah, that, yeah. that, that is true. And so, and, and, and if nothing else, you know, surround yourself with people who've got stuff going on. So you guys can, can share the joy, stay busy, stay busy or do something productive. And, and I know that's a lot of what, what we talk to our clients about because being the Las Vegas television network, everybody still wants to come to Vegas. And we just came up with so an true. idea an idea so they could they could go to Vegas every day from the from you know the middle of their couch as well so we're we're trying to make the most of it and so I want to thank Kevin so much uh, again I just can't tell you how how great uh, Brent was as a as a guest uh, as a guest you you encouraged all of us out there on yeah. of our viewers yeah. as well and thank so you thank we you encourage you guys to give us uh, give us five stars on the podcast and go to our our Facebook page uh, also go to our internet connection internettraffickings.com and uh, and uh, subscribe that's the big thing subscribe to our YouTube channel and you'll be notified of the great opportunities just like we had today so for the click father Kevin D Vincenzi Kevin, one last thing. Go ahead. Oh, I just wanted uh, uh, Brent's uh, podcast so everybody could uh, tune in. Yeah, I'm easy to find. You can go to um, threeminuterule.com or brantpinvidic.com and all my links, all my stuff's there. I'm at all those socials at brantpinvidic. So I'm easy to find. Good. Well, that, that's good. And, and I encourage you, you to reach out to me because there's that, that encouragement that we have. So, uh, so give us, uh, go ahead and subscribe to us on, on our YouTube channel. And so for everybody back in the studio and everyone out here, I want you guys to stay safe. Um, and, uh, and remember that uh, we'll all get through this together. So I'm the big Fabu John Fondi broadcasting from the studios here at UNLV in fabulous Las Vegas. We'll see you next time on Internet Traffic Kings. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.